0: Well, it's good to see everybody here. You have survived the Bombogenesis of 2018. You heard about the Bombogenesis, haven't you? The blizzard of 2018. That's when a southern air mass meets a cold air mass and something happens and you get a blizzard and high winds and we've done it. Uh, And I'm sure you prepared for it too, right? On Wednesday, uh, well, some of you might have prepared for it. But uh, we all prepare for things like this. Uh, we, we get to hype up news and uh, check the Weather Channel and we go out and, you know, I filled up the tank of gas. And uh, some of you may have a snowblower and you filled up your, snow, your extra gas for your snowblower. You made the last minute run to get your staples, uh, you know, your uh, milk and your eggs and your coffee. Got to have coffee or hot chocolate. Um, And then, if you uh, worked at um, in the medical field, you got to figure out. uh, I I didn't realize this, but sometimes nurses and doctors, you have to uh, you have to go in the next day, no matter what the weather is. They want you to they want you to report for work. You got to be there on Thursday morning, no matter what the weather's like. Or sometimes you got to sleep over there on Wednesday night so that you're there. And others of of you, uh, maybe you have a job where you're able to uh, work remotely from home so you're praising the Lord about that right and then if you're a school teacher or a student you've got the rest of the week off now how, now that's great unless you've got a shovel and you don't have a snowblower right so uh, but today I want to encourage you that we make preparations for a lot of things in our life I mean, we prepare for everything in our life, and if you if you do your due diligence, you've prepared, if you're a junior or a senior in high school, you've prepared for your SATs. Uh, if you tried out for a team sport, you may take a few extra lessons, if, uh, you know, depending on your sport that you're doing. If you're doing a home improvement project, you know, you're searching YouTube, and you're ch- trying to figure out, or you're calling Elio or Jimmy Velez, Uh, You're trying to figure out how do you fix this thing that's broken. So you're preparing. You're getting your tools together. You're doing everything that you can to accomplish what you want to do. You're preparing for it or preparing to survive a storm. But the preparation to follow Jesus is much more. It's much more than a one-time event. It's a lifelong event. And uh, just like uh, if you were planning a wedding... Is anybody planning a wedding here? So if you're planning a wedding, this one day event, of course you have the ceremony and then you have the reception, but then what do you have? You have marriage afterwards. And that is a lifelong preparation and adjustment that you're always making so that you can serve and love your spouse the rest of your days. Right? So Lori and I, tomorrow is going to be 41 years. Of of marriage and it has gone by so quickly and uh, we just want to keep on going and and learn how to love one another but there's a spiritual and soul preparation that we can engage in for 2018 and and this is what I want to talk to you about is how are we gonna prepare for 2018 and what I really want to talk about is experience in a greater capacity the love of God in our lives and uh, Jesus talked about this In Matthew 6, verse 33, on the Sermon on the Mount, he was gathering his disciples together, and he concludes his message, and he says, But first, and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, And that's the Amplified Bible. It just kind of extends all those words and makes it a little bit more understandable. What Jesus was saying is, if you want to really have a relationship with me, if you want to have this dynamic relationship with me, there's got to be a priority. There's got to be some preparation of your soul so that you seek after me, you aim after my kingdom and my righteousness. But what is the attitude and the character of God? If we could sum it up into one word, what would it be? What would it be? Would it be the Holy Spirit's power in our life, would it be grace, God's grace? Or or maybe you think, no, it's not the grace of God, it's the mercy of God, his forgiveness. But I wanna challenge you that I think that one word is love. The kingdom of God is about God loving us and us loving others the way that he wants us to. It's it's really that simple. Well, I remember when I was first called into full-time ministry, assignment and it was Newark, New Jersey. It was one of the most violent crime areas in the country and I knew God had called my wife and I. It was clear through a series of circumstances and through messages that I heard. God was calling us to do this but I still had some trepidation. I I was still intimidated by this whole calling of God to move my family and live in the inner city. And so what did I do? what did I do I asked my pastor Of course you asked your pastor what am I supposed to do and I remember Tom Hatcher was my pastor I was up at New City Gospel Fellowship I was at Bible school and I was going to church there Tom Hatcher was my pastor he was about 40 years old that time and I was like in my 20s and so I said pastor I said I know that you've worked with inner-city people before you were with teen challenge before and you work with drug addicts and people from the inner city. I said, but I I feel like totally out of place. I'm going into Newark, moving in with my family. Do you have any advice for me? And I remember distinctly what he said. He said, Al, it's love. You have to receive from God his love, and then you've got to be a channel of his love to other people. It's that simple. And he says that will cross every cultural barrier. It'll cross every language barrier if you truly understand and receive the love of Jesus Christ and then give that out to others. And I said, I could do that. I think I could do that because I'm in desperate need of God's love and his grace and his power in my life. And you know it's the same thing for you and I today. We don't have to move into the inner city to understand that. There's people, there's a sphere of influence around you where God wants to use you as his instrument of love. So as we're looking at 1 John chapter three, he begins to talk about this idea of the love of God. And John the Apostle is putting forth this idea. You'll notice that John, the Apostle John, He is a person that exhibits and demonstrates and writes about the love of God over and over again through the Gospel of John, through his three letters, even in the book of Revelation. There is a a motivation, there's a message to love God and to serve him. And, you know, you can't get around that when you read the Gospel of John or the letters of John. And even as we read this passage here, it talks about it. But what was John? John was uh, one of the closest disciples of Jesus and it always talks about the disciple whom Jesus loved and he was talking about himself. John understood that Jesus loved him and it made all the difference in his world. And In fact he was started out in Jerusalem and he began to lead the church there but then when the persecution came he was pushed out even to Asia Minor which is now Turkey In those cities around there, Ephesus and Smyrna and some of those other cities there. And he planted churches there. He was a leader and a teacher there. And then the Romans came in. They got word of John growing the church so much that they arrested him. They took him to Rome. And uh, tradition says that they tried to kill him. They actually put him in a, uh, a pot of hot boiling oil. And John survived. He came out and there was nothing wrong with him. It says that hundreds of people turned to Christ at that moment. So the only thing they could do is they banished him to an island called Patmos and they figured we'll just put him in the salt mines there and he'll die. But you know what he did? He wrote the book of Revelation, which we have today. And John never stopped loving God and he never stopped loving other people. And then he tells and he writes about what the Holy Spirit taught him and taught him about love and about how to use the love that we have from God to give it to others. Now, you may not agree that love is the key to spiritual life, but even if you don't agree with that, it's still true. And God uses that to take us on a journey and he will continue to teach you to love him and to love others. No matter where you are, no matter what stage of life you're in, you're always going to have to be learning that. See, the Holy Spirit never gives up on us, and God never gives up on us. Even as last week, Jim Swinnerton, my brother-in-law, gave that message, it ain't over till it's over, right? And do you know the Buffalo Bills are in the playoff? I just got to put that in there. But you know, it's not ever over. God continues to seek after us. And he begins to work in our lives. And even as Jim was talking about the prodigal son, and even as we've been learning about that in our adult Sunday school, God always goes after us. He always goes to reveal his love to us. He never gives up on doing that. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You know, John talks about To those who received him, to those who believed him, he gave the right to become children of God. But it also says this in that same passage, it says in the the Gospel of John in chapter 1, it says that uh, some did not even receive him. Those that he came that knew him, they didn't receive him. And so because of that, they turned away. But we know the love of God. If you've opened your heart to Jesus Christ, you can know and experience the love of God. What is the love of God? He simply says this in 1 John 4.10, this is love. I love when the Bible defines what it is. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, this is the foundation on which we live our lives, the love of God. And you build on that, even in the midst of hardships, rejections, unfairness, anything that you may be going through. Each of Jesus' disciples, including John, went through terrific persecution and trouble and heartache. And yet they continued to love God. Why? Because God first loved them and he kept them and he held them through every situation in their life. You know, I was reading a commentary on 1 John and the letter 1 John by F.F. Bruce, and he says this. In Jesus, the love, light, and life of God were manifest in opposition to hatred, darkness, and death. That's what's in our world, right? Hatred, darkness, and death. With his crucifixion, it seemed that hatred, darkness, and death had won the day and that God's purpose, which had survived the fall, was now effectively thwarted. But instead, the cross of Jesus proved to be God's chosen instrument for fulfillment of his purpose. To this end was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. And it was by his cross that he did so. Colossians 2, 14. You see, the beautiful thing is that when we go and we think about love, we look to the cross of Jesus Christ. We look to his cross and what he did there this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and gave himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins but you know all of us are tested and refined by love in fact if you're going to be on a quest to be somebody that loves others well And loves others like Jesus does. Or you're even praying like you say, Lord, I want to experience your love in a greater way in 2018. I want to experience your love more and more in my life. You know what he'll do? He will bring you to love other people. He really will. And uh, sometimes we don't want to go there. We don't want to sometimes we're measuring, you know, like sometimes we measure ourselves against other people, you know, like so if sometimes if I'm if I'm going to measure myself uh, uh, against uh, people that are really loving like Pastor Peter or uh, my wife, Lori or uh, Richard here, you know, if I if I'm I could be discouraged. I could I could say, man, I can't. Why are they? Why can't they love people so freely? You know, I could become discouraged by that. But then I could flip it around and say, you know, I'm going to, at least I'm not as bad as Terry at work or, or Joe, my brother-in-law. I'm using fake names. So we can like, prop ourselves up and say, at least I'm not, you know, I'm not like them. So I'm better than them. So I'm okay. But really, the standard that we should measure ourselves is the love of God. And it's 100% sacrificial commitment. It's the same thing that makes a marriage good. It's 100% commitment to the other person. It's not a 50-50 plan. It's 100% commitment. It's the same thing that happens when we say, I want to follow Jesus. It's an all in. You're going all in. You're putting all your chips in. You're saying, God, this is all I have. I'm giving it all to you. I want to follow you. It's 100% commitment. And see, God is always in us, working in us to teach us that. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So once we understand that love, then we're going to have opportunity to lay down our lives for others. And that means we have to die to what we want to do to help somebody else accomplish what God wants them to do in their lives and that takes a commitment that takes thought that will take a dying to our own self and our own wishes and will sometimes so that somebody else may be blessed And that's a hard thing to do I don't think you can do it without the grace and the power of God in your life if anyone has material possessions sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So John gets very practical. He says, dear children, let's not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is probably one of our theme verses that the president of our organization, when I went into Newark, used as a motivational tool for us and challenged us to love people. And I always remember, I said, Lord, I, I want to love people, but there's so many people in need here. What do you want me to do? And I remember when I was thinking about this passage of scripture, Charles, the homeless man in our neighborhood, was out and about in front of my house, and he was walking by, and I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Hell, why don't you invite him in? I said that can't be the Lord, because Charles was like covered. You know, he had like seven layers on, and he was just walking and shuffling. And I said, and everybody kind of avoided Charles. They knew he was homeless, but they also thought he was a little crazy or something was wrong with him because he would always be talking to himself. And so uh, I said, no, that can't be the Lord. But then an hour later, I went out on my front porch, and Charles started walking back. And the Holy Spirit said, Al, invite him in help you know give him something to eat and i said charles and i had talked to him before i said charles do you want to come in and have something to eat he goes no 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 you don't want me to come in your house i'm not clean you don't want me to come in i said no really you can come in he goes okay i said oh man <laughs> so he comes in and he's got all his coat on and everything like that he comes in he sits down at my kitchen table and I said, uh, Charles, you want something? You want some coffee? He goes, yeah, I want some coffee. So he has some coffee, and I said, uh, and I, by this time, the smell was pretty strong in my kitchen. It was not the coffee. And uh, so you know, I said, Charles, uh, would you like to clean up? He said, sure. Do you have a, 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 a toilet, a, a bathroom? And I said, yeah, it's right over there. So he goes in there. He's in there for 45 minutes. I hear the shower going, and like I'm waiting for him. So, Charles, you okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. He had taken off all his clothes and then he started washing them. And then he washed all his underclothes and everything like that. And then he had another layer to put on when he came out. And then he had this big pile of clothes. And he says, Do you have a dryer? <laughs> I said, yeah I have a dryer so I took the clothes and we put them in the dryer and then we sat there and we talked and Charles stayed not 45 minutes but it took another hour to dry his clothes because they were soaking wet from the shower and then uh, when the clothes got all dry you know and I went down to get them, uh, Charles he didn't have any shoes on or socks on and because he had washed those and then he tried to put his socks on, and he couldn't bend down. He, was, uh, he had epilepsy, he was a diabetic, and he had had such a terrible life. I, had, I found out that he had family in New Jersey. He had left them because sometimes he had epileptic seizures, and he, was, he didn't want to be an embarrassment to anybody, so he had just left, and he had become homeless, lost his job, lost everything he had some mental problems as well but so he's bending down there and I and then again the prompting of the Holy Spirit I'll put on his socks and shoes for him so I said and I saw his feet I said man those I mean they were all scabbed over they were like crusty with whatever so I got down I knelt down and I I started putting on his socks and it was at that moment when I knelt down and I started to put over his feet, the presence of God came over me like I have never experienced the love of God. And it changed me. You know why it changed me is because I had tried to avoid loving Charles until the prompting of the Holy Spirit, until I finally listened, and I said, Lord whatever you want. I didn't do it with the best attitude, I'll tell you honestly. But the end result was that I sensed God's presence and power in a, in a way that i had never have before. You see, you never know when you try to show love to somebody how it will be taken. It might be rejected. It might be misunderstood. And that's the big risk that's involved when we try to love other people. If we're just thinking about ourselves and protecting ourselves, we'll probably never step out and love anybody or show that love. You know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the love of God in our lives. And if you could draw a circle around yourself, and that's the love of God in your life, you know, shining down on you, blessing you, lavishing his love like we read in 1 John 3 1 lavishing his love upon us it comes upon us and we have just been so blessed because of what Jesus did for us but then I've got to take that presence of God's love with me and I've got to bring it down to other people right so if I'm like trying to love Richard here right so I'm bringing the presence of God there now, I could step away and say, No, I'm not going to love Richard because, you know, either I'm indifferent, I don't care. But when God wants to do something in our lives, He wants us to take the presence and the things that He's done in our lives and share them with others. But it's also true that instead of standing on and living in the love of God, I could step out of that if I want to. And I can live in my own strength, in my own predetermined thinking, prejudice, racism, attitude, anger, bitterness, depression. I could be living in this and not in the love of God. Because I choose, I step out and I say, you know, I just I'm gonna live I'm having a rough day I don't wanna love people I don't want I don't wanna have the hassle of loving people and you see when we step out and we live in our sphere of our own strength it gets narrow and narrow our circle gets narrow and and smaller and smaller when we're living in God's love and his light the ability to get greater and greater the circle to widen More and more is a real possibility. In fact, the more we step out in God's love and move forward to show love, the greater that possibility gets. And the greater the sphere of influence gets and the circle gets. It's the same thing with the church. It's the same thing with the family. The greater it gets. But when we're standing over here, we'll be alone. And so... My challenge to you this year is to experience a greater love in 2018. A love that comes from God that you receive and it gets stronger and greater in your life and your sphere of influence grows. You know what will happen? This is what John says. This is how we know that we belong to the truth And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. It actually has an effect in your relationship with God when you're acting out on his command to love other people. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So if you're standing over here and your heart's condemning you and you're into this selfish thing right here, just look up. That's why we have communion is we examine ourselves. We say, you know, I don't want to live here. I want to live here in God's love and be an influence towards other people. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. You know what happens is it affects everything in our life. It affects our prayer life. It affects how we look at people, how we judge people. And it doesn't have, you don't have to do this with a homeless person for this to change. You know, really, the, the people that God wants you to love are probably the people closest to you that bug you the most. It's like your brother or <laughs> it's your parents or it's your children or it's your in-laws. You begin there. You begin with the, with the love of God being spread out in how you love people. You know we're studying um, the book Aha. It's awakening, honesty, and action. We're studying that in our adult Sunday school. Interesting. If uh, you want to study it, and you can't come to Sunday school for some reason, it's on Right Now Media. You could go to Right Now Media and look up Aha Kyle Edelman, and you'll get the videos on that. But. But Sunday school is so good because we're all sharing there. You know, we're all talking about our own aha moments. And really, the aha moment is an awakening to what God is doing in your life or challenging you to do. And then an honesty before God of saying, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And then taking action and fulfilling what God has called you to do. It's a very simple thing. But it's something that God wants us to be involved in. I remember when I was a young father. And I was crying out for God to make disciples in Newark because I had been there for like 10 years. And now my kids were all 10 and under. And uh, it was a lot of work for Lori. You know, I mean, she had a lot of work. And I, I, would, I loved the ministry, so I was all out and about everywhere, and Lori pretty much had the kids' responsibility. It wasn't very fair, but that's, that's what it was. And I remember praying for these guys. I'm, Lord, I'm praying for Ed, that he'll grow in you and become your disciple. I'm praying for Bradley, that, Lord, you'd work in his life, for Tony, Lord, change his heart, you know, deliver him from drugs and all this. I said, Lord, I wanna make disciples you know, what what do I need to do? And the Holy Spirit said, be a good father to your children. I said, "Lord, but I but I want to help Bradley and I want to help Joe and I want to." And he said, "I want you to disciple your children." <coughs> now you got to understand, I'm 30 years old. So I'm not getting this. And my I'm not seeing my kids. 10 or 15 years later as men and as a young woman. So I'm all about my career. And I'm missing this aha moment that has to do right in my own family. And when you miss that, you miss so much because it goes like that. I mean, that was 30, over 30 years ago. But I still remember it to that day, to this day. And uh, God said, I want you to start investing in your own kids. And so I, I tried. I learned as much as I could. I read as many books as I could as, as being a father. I said, my father did not disciple me, my father was not around to do that. He was busy working, he had struggles of his own. And so I had to learn, how, how, do, how am I going to pour into my kids? And so I read as much as I could. And you know, <laughs> I'm giving you another plug for Right Now Media because there's a whole bunch of stuff on parenting and being a father. I mean, I would just eat that stuff up. I'd read and study it because I needed to learn. Nobody taught me. There was nobody to teach me either except God. I knew God wanted to, and so he'd set before me these certain books. That were helpful to me. He gave me people that I could talk to. And I listened to James Dobson, I think it was. right. James Dobson was a big help. Just to learn how to be a better father. Awakening, honesty, action. You can ignore it. You can live in this circle of your life. And many people do it. Uh, and that's really what that first verse in John says. He says, "You know, but they didn't. They don't know us because they didn't know Him." Or you could be over here in God's love and His blessing and His covenant love, being filled with Him, and then extending that circle, saying, "Lord, teach me how to love other people the way that You do." And that's when life becomes meaningful this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them and this is how we know that he lives in us we know it by the Spirit he gave us the Holy Spirit isn't just to give you power in itself it's the power of love it's the power of knowing That you are forgiven, loved by God, and then you're able to give love without fear of rejection. Without fear of, what are they going to say? Without fear, because you're so accepted by God, you're so secure in this love, that he gives you then the strength then to love other people. That's the Spirit work in you. That's the Holy Spirit's work in you. And it comes, (laughs) it goes, you know, this fear of influence, you take it with you to school, you take it with you to work, you take it to with you wherever you go. God is with you. And he wants to use you. So how do we experience a greater love in 2018? What circle or foundation are you standing on? Is it God's love or is it something else? Now, where are you standing in your life? Where are you? preparing to live out of your life is it in God's blessing and his love and his love towards others how are you responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to love others are you ignoring the prompting like I did with Charles are you ignoring the prompting like I did almost did with my kids are you ignoring those things that the prompting of the Holy Spirit is telling you to love others and three are you enjoying the process of learning to love well? You know, God is for you. He, I think he just delights. He delights at our feeble attempts to love other people. You know, I, I think God was like, he was probably laughing. Hell yeah, go ahead, put on his socks. Do it. Be free to do it. And I'm sure he delighted in that. And probably that's why I I sense God's blessing in my life, is because I finally took a step of of sharing God's love with somebody else. It began to, to deepen. Enjoy the process of learning to love well. It can begin to deepen today as you talk with the Lord and listen to him. That's what I encourage you to do today. Even as we gather around the communion table, as we come to the, to the Lord's Supper, it's all about his love. It's all about what he did for us at the cross. It's the symbol of his body and his blood given for us so that we could be free to love him and love others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. We Thank you that you are God that pursues us with your love. you want us to experience a great love a greater love than we have a deeper love than we have Lord so Lord would you lead us in that 2018 would you work in our lives to open our hearts to receive from you so that we can be a channel of your love to others Lord, teach us how to love well. We ask this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ.